and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Adam Miller and today I'm joined by Johnny McFarlane and Gaby Mackay. On today's pod we'll be discussing Rangers title hopes, what sort of season we can expect from Scott Allen and the future of Craig Levine. The Rangers were ruthless on Saturday, beating Hibs 6-1 at Ibrox. Jermaine Defoe scored a hat-trick and Alfredo Morelos came off the bench to score a double. The final goal came from Shea Yojo. Johnny, you were impressed with Rangers' performance. What stood out for you? Well, I thought Rangers started brilliantly. They just started on the front foot and got stuck into Hibs um, from the get-go. Um, that's been something that um, has been occasionally lacking uh, in Rangers over the last uh, year under Steven Gerrard. Um, they really essentially got to the stage where they were putting the tie to well, the game to bed after 14 minutes when they went two up. And that was obviously the case until Scott Allen produced his moment of magic, but I'm sure we'll come on to that later. But the, their general play was excellent throughout number of top performers, all three of the midfielders uh, were superb. Brian Jack's getting a lot of praise. I actually thought he was the third best uh, midfield player in the game because uh, I thought uh, Stephen Davis basically ran the show, as Stephen Gerrard pointed out in his post-match interview. And Joe Aribo just continues to look like a really, really top, top purchase um, to get him on a free transfer, I think, is a major boon. He's got a lot of really, really good attributes in terms of the way he takes the ball in, um, his comfort uh, on the ball, his passing, and his speed as well. He just looks a really, really good, a really good find. And of course, up top, uh, Rangers have Defoe, who is bang on form, looks as sharp as ever at 36. And then Alfredo Morelos, who looked absolutely desperate to come on, knowing that his, uh, his striking competition had scored three goals and uh, put Hibs to the sword uh, with another two. So it was a, it was a good performance, and, and, and Rangers all round were pretty impressive. Gaby, has Jermaine Defoe's hat-trick made it a real competition between him and Morelos for the first-choice striker spot, or will Morelos always have the edge? No, I think it is definitely a real competition just now anyway. I mean, you're going to need to rotate throughout the season, so it's obviously good for them to be able to have to have two guys who can obviously can obviously come on and score, or uh, in, in uh, Defoe's case, start and score. You've got to remember that Defoe's 36, he'll be 37 in October or November, I can't remember, so he's not going to be playing every week, so I think uh, when it comes to that, in that regard, that Morelos will probably be the quote-unquote first-choice striker, simply because he's going to be able to play more games than Defoe is, just because he's a lot younger and uh, doesn't have quite so many miles on the clock, but you know, I think you've got two strikers there that I think, as Johnny said before, who could get 20, 25 goals a season. Both of them could could hit those numbers if they both stay fit and in form and their head's in the right place and they're not suspended. <laughs> yeah, you look, you look back over previous seasons and Rangers have had to rely on just Alfredo Morelos. Um, I, I know the idea was when Pedro Cascina came in was to have Andre, uh, was to have, um, I forget his first name, Herrera. Ander Herrera, yeah. Uh, no, Ander Herrera. No, no, Ander Herrera. Herrera. Yeah. Eduardo, 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 Eduardo. Yeah, I was thinking of Ander as well. Yeah, sure. Um, he made such an impact that we can't remember his name, uh, even yes. though he's still on the Ibrox payroll. Um, but without having those two strikers, Rangers have clearly struggled uh, seasons where they finished fourth, third, um, and of course last year second, um, where they had two good strikers for six months. But I think now, having the full season where they can interchange... Um, if Morelos has his disciplinary issues, you've got Defoe to come in. If Defoe needs a rest, Morelos can come in. It's a perfect blend 
for what Rangers are trying to do in terms of uh, keep up for the title uh, and and challenge Celtic. I think there's quite a big difference between the two players and, and the team when they play. Jermaine Defoe links better to the team and, and Rangers look more cohesive as a unit, I think, when he plays. But Morelos is just so explosive and such a talented individual that he gives Rangers something completely different, something unexpected when he plays. So it's quite marked, the difference between the sides tactically when one plays and the other plays. It's not exactly the same setup. Rangers have to get a lot closer to Jeremy and Defoe, whereas Morelos, they can literally just play the ball long uh, to him and he'll he'll make things happen. Yeah, I think Defoe's the kind of striker that if you're a defender, you know, you might not notice him, but the minute you forget about him, he'll pop up and he'll score a goal. Whereas Morelos is a guy who, if you're a defender, you know he's there all game. Uh you know, for good and bad reasons, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Johnny, you mentioned earlier Steve Davis and uh, Joe Aribo. Um, you got a bit of flack for not talking up Ryan Jack in your write-up of the game. Um, did you think Jack had a good performance? Or did you think he was just overshadowed? Yeah, I, th- I think he. Look, he was eight. He was excellent. I think. Did, did you give him eight out of ten in your? Match? Uh, I think so. I can't yeah, remember, yeah. but yeah, I gave him a high mark. Anyway. He, he was excellent. He was absolutely excellent. Um, he's playing in that slightly different role we think of Ryan Jack I think as a defensive midfield player as a traditional number six who's cutting off avenue, uh, angles who's making interceptions making tackles and then playing the ball to someone who's got more talent than he does that's the way he's been playing under previous Rangers managers and to some extent under Steven Gerrard last year but I think the pennies dropped with the management team and with the player himself about the way you have to perform to be a Rangers player, and that is you can't just get away with being a water carrier because so many games involve teams that are sitting in. You need to actually contribute offensively. Barry Ferguson was probably the best example, or two guy, another great example, someone who would create while sitting in that um, playmaker position. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more of an Italian role that you need to be at Rangers or Celtic. A creator, Cal McGregor's done it at Celtic and looked really, really good in there. And um, I think Jack has expanded his game to to become more of a number eight, more of a box-to-box type player without losing any of that defensive nous that marks him out as, as a quality player. And I think the fans just see his consistency week in, week out. He's kind of an unheralded player. And I think it's fair enough that they're pointing out that, that he should probably get a little bit more recognition. Um, he's not the most showy of those guys in midfield. And I think that... that, that probably counts against him because you've got Stephen Davis in there who's just like a bit of a Rolls Royce at this level. You saw the way he took the ball down, ran into the box and crossed over for uh, Jermaine Defoe's third goal. It's absolutely gorgeous bit of play by, by Davis. Aribo is just one of these guys that glides around the pitch. He just looks like a football player. So I think in that company, maybe Ryan Jack doesn't get the credit he deserves and, and, and that's part of it. Yeah, I would. I would agree. I mean, uh, yeah, I thought he. I thought he was fantastic yesterday. I thought maybe. I mean, I thought he maybe was the second best of the midfielders because obviously Davis set up a goal. He did slightly get mugged off by Scott Allen for the the assist that we'll, I'm sure we'll come on to talk about. He got turned uh, on the edge of the box, which I guess you probably don't want uh, for a midfielder in that position. But yeah, I thought. I thought. Uh, <clears throat> I thought Jack was great yesterday. It, it must be said the Hibs midfield was utterly dreadful. But that's not to take anything away from from Jack or any of the other midfielders. You can only beat what's in front of you. Yeah, Gabby, Celtic have scored 12 in their first two league games and Rangers have scored eight. Does anyone this season have even the slightest chance of challenging for second place or is this already a a two-horse title race and then there's going to be a huge gap? It does look that way, doesn't it? When you look at the teams that were up there challenging last season, Aberdeen lost to St Mirren yesterday. Hearts haven't won 
haven't won a game at all this season. They've lost both games. Kelly have lost both games. Hebs obviously got battered 6-1 yesterday. So uh, those are the teams that certainly up to January last season were maybe up there challenging. You thought maybe they might have a chance of finishing above Rangers. But when you look at the way those teams have started the season, I don't think there's any way that the top two isn't going to be Celtic and Rangers. Probably in that order, but certainly that'll be the two teams that are in it. We might get on to Kelly later, but I think that's a massive loss to the league in a sense that you don't have that that sort of tenseness is that even a word? Uh, the, the, the tension. tension I the think tension. That's what that was the one I was looking for. The tension going into those games when Rangers and Celtic play Kelly because Steve Clark was such a good tactical organiser that you just did not know if Rangers or Celtic would win those games. Um, and Kilmarnock fans themselves are obviously going through a bit, of a, a bit of turmoil over the recent results. But actually for the league, the larger league, that sense of... Um, inevitability that falls around Rangers and Celtic when they play in these games it'd be good if that was uh, diminished somewhat uh, and Kilmarnock were a big factor in that last season yeah um, speaking you know going back to the actual game itself as much as Rangers deserve credit for the ruthlessness of their finishing obviously questions have to be asked of Hibs Johnny do you think Rangers were uh, Hibs were too open in their approach well I would uh, credit Paul Heckenbottom with going to Ibrox with an attacking game plan and wanting to play an expansive open style and try and take the game to Rangers. That's the, the kind of football that everyone wants to see. Unfortunately, at the same time, it's the, exactly the kind of football that Steven Gerrard wants to see because he's got a team that are primed to be hitting you on the counter-attack hard and fast. And that's what happened to them. Um, Hibs were just too passive throughout the game. Only really Scott Allen for me got past marks. Um, a lot of the players didn't show up. I think Stephen Whitaker was was was, was essentially torn apart uh, down the the Rangers left hand side by Jordan Jones. So it's one of those where I don't want to come onto a podcast and criticise a guy for playing football the way I want it to be seen. But at the same time, it does look naive, and the the end result is a six one thumping. I would also just suggest, listen. I think Rangers fans should temper their excitement a little bit because as poor as Hibs were for the first 40 minutes and as good as Rangers were, Hibs did come into the game and it was very equal for a period of about 25 minutes until... It wasn't actually 25, it wasn't as long no, as... It was about 50, five minutes before half-time and about 10 minutes yeah, after. Yeah, 15 it. minutes um, until the sending off. And when the sending off happened, it did change the game. Hibs lost their shape. Rangers are very, very fit and they just ran over the top of them. I don't think it would have been anything like 6-1 if, if they hadn't been for that red card. So, although it was a complete doing in the end, as you just said, Hibs had a period towards the end of the first half and at the start of the second when they were playing some good stuff. It was during that first half, last five minutes, when uh, Daryl Horgan scored, thanks to a magnificent assist, which we alluded to earlier from Scott Allen. Stephen Gerrard himself said he'd have been happy with it during his playing days. Gaby, Scott Allen's had a strange career so far, but is this the season when he really cements himself as one of Scottish football's outstanding players? I think you saw the best and the, the worst of Scott Allen yesterday. There was a, We know he's an absolute fiend for a through ball, and that was just an absolutely beautiful assist. You know, if people who haven't seen it, certainly look it up, but he's about, what, 30, 35, 40 yards from goal, turns past Davis, and he sort of plays this little reverse pass about 30 yards right onto Hoggins' toes and he scores and it's brilliant. 
but just to sort of slightly tie it in with the last point we're making, I'm perfectly happy to criticise a manager for going to Ibrox and playing an open, expansive style and getting beaten 6-1. I think if you're playing two guys in there like Malin and Allen, which pleasingly rhymes, those are two guys who aren't very physical, who aren't going to really do the dogged defensive work, and you're playing against a Rangers midfield, as we've discussed, in guys like Aribo and Jack, who are both physical can dominate you physically and certainly um in Aribo's case and Jack possibly to a less extent have that quality you've got a guy like Stephen Davis who'll sit there and not give a ball away if you're going in there with two guys who are going to be physically overwhelmed and aren't going to commit to the defensive work you're going to lose that midfield battle and I think that's what happened yesterday and obviously Johnny's alluded to Whitaker. I thought that was a really strange decision for Heckingbottom to start him because um, as I said to Johnny before the game, when the team lineups came out, now before I start bigging myself up, I did predict a one-one draw on the website. <laughs> on the website before this game, so um, to be fair, you did say the minute you saw that, I take my draw, I take my predictions back because yeah. Jordan Jones is going to roast them. Yes, because um, I remember last season Hibs playing at Kilmarnock and Whitaker got absolutely destroyed by Jordan Jones, and I think it's a strange decision for a manager who you know. Uh, from what we've read about Heckenbottom, he's quite meticulous about these things. You'd think he would have looked back and seen that and gone, maybe I don't want to put Whitaker up against Jones, which is what he did. So going back to Scott Allen, I think that was a sort of microcosm of what we saw in his career. He's got quality. We all know that. He can play a through ball like almost no one else in the league. I mean, it wouldn't have been a transfer they could probably do because he'd be coming from Celtic. He's exactly the kind of player Rangers need to unlock the fences the way he did yesterday. But also the thing that I think will hold him back from ever being a real top-level player, you know, playing internationally, maybe playing at the the very highest level, is that he doesn't really have that tactical discipline. He doesn't have the sort of dogged defensive work that you would that you would want from a player of, of his technical quality. And you talked about the, the way that Hibs set up yesterday, with the way that they were kind of dominated in the midfield. Someone said on Twitter last night that for all their faults in other areas Stubbs and Lennon both of them would have rather died than gone to Ibrox and been beaten 6-1 if you were a Hibs fan would you have settled for a much more conservative performance and still left with a defeat but maybe it was a 2-1 or a 3-1 well I think probably because I think if you, the way they set up yesterday it was obvious from the first minute that they were just getting absolutely overrun and I think you have to criticise a manager for setting up like that. Now, obviously, yeah, I agree with Johnny. You want to see free-flowing attacking football, but the fundamentally football is about winning games and you have to try and give yourself the best chance to do that. You can't, you know, you wouldn't go, Scotland wouldn't go to play Spain and try and outpass them because you're just not going to win that. It's like, you know, racing a golf buggy against a Ferrari. If you're going to do that, as I believe Jose Mourinho once said, you have to put sugar in the petrol tank. <laughs> Paul Heckingbottom put no sugar in the petrol tank yesterday. <laughs> he handed them the keys and stood back. There speaks a man who has been watching Sir Steve Clark extremely carefully Quite for possibly, some time yeah. now. Yeah, I think there's a, something I've noticed as well is that if a team goes out away from home against a supposedly better team and gives it a go and then gets four or five, six in this case, goals put past them. The winning manager will always say something quite patronising about how, you know, I've got a lot of respect for the way that they came and set up here. But as you suggested before, Johnny, Gerard will have been rubbing his hands when he saw the way that Hibs lined up there. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, as I say, I, I do like Paul Heckenbottom uh, from what I've seen of him so far. I think he's done very well uh, in terms of dragging Hibs from eighth position when he took over to fifth last season. There have been some signs that um, 
that Hibs in pre-season have, have been looking in good shape. Uh, I don't think they've lost the game up until yesterday. They'd won them all, actually. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they drew 0-0 in a, in a well, first okay, bet well, they, well, they kind of won it because they won they it on won penalties. penalties yeah, yeah. Sure. So, so uh, they'd started well. And uh, I think Heckenbottom said after the game, you know, this is a this is a slap in the face. This is a uh, a warning for future games. And, but I don't think, as we've discussed with regards to Rangers and Celtic pulling away from the rest, I don't think this is a game that, that he, he needs to be too hard on himself or his players over because Rangers at home is a difficult proposition for anyone. Yeah, we're going to touch in a minute on how poor a start to the season Hearts have made. We've also been covering, you know, the sort of disappointing start for Kilmarnock. If you take that kind of game out of the equation, that sort of 6-1, if you assume that Hibs probably aren't going to take many points away from Glasgow this season, do you still think that they have a shot at that aiming for third place this season? Um, I think Hibs will probably end... If you look at the squads, I actually think this, the third best squad's Aberdeen and the fourth best squad's Hearts. So I think Hibs... Fifth, where they were last year is probably about right. Scott Allen, we've already discussed, they've got a player of real top quality who could fit in any of those other teams, probably outside of Celtic. Yeah, I think Rangers uh, would could be doing with Scott Allen, to be honest, because he's different to what they've got. Um, but outside of that, you know, am I convinced by the new centre forward? I'm not going to try and pronounce his name. Does it Dooch? Dodge, I think. Dodge, yeah. not really, not with what, not by what I've seen. Am I convinced that Stephen Whitaker is? Still mobile and athletic enough to play at fullback. I mean, he's very experienced. I personally, I'd play him in midfield. Um, I just think asking him to be a wing back at thirty-five is asking an awful lot of a player. Um, defensively, they've they've looked okay. It's it's early doors. I think Hibs are going to be in the top six, no doubt about that. It's whether or not that um, they'll really be able to make a big impact on on the league, and I don't really see it. Okay, so a number of Hearts fans had already lost patience with Craig Levine and Saturday's 0-0 draw at Tynecastle against Ross County only strengthened their case. They began the league season with a 3-2 defeat against Aberdeen, but at that point they'd already drawn with East Fife, a match they eventually lost on penalties. And most damningly of all, Hearts haven't won a single league game since March. Johnny, Hearts have a really strong squad on paper, so... What is it Levine's not getting right at the moment? Well, I've got a lot of friends who are Hearts fans. Um, my brother-in-law's a massive Hearts fan. and mm-hmm. um, Kind of sounds like you've said something offensive about Hearts fans now. <laughs> this is the kind of backtracking. Some of my best friends are Hearts fans. <laughs> um, and the, the common thread in what they say is that it's absolutely brutal to watch Hearts. And I've obviously not seen Hearts anywhere near as much as these guys have, but... I haven't seen any evidence to the contrary in terms of their claims. Levine currently is beginning to look a bit like an anachronism because he's got a squad full of quality players, um, from youngsters like Hickey and, and Cochran to experienced guys like Stephen Naismith, uh, Sutar. They've, they've got quality, I think, throughout that squad. And if they were playing a passing game, um, or, or even a style that's more pleasing than that. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, Barcelona under Pep Guardiola. But Tiny just, Taka. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that, that, that they would still be a really, really good shout for third or fourth in the league. The only way Hearts fans are going to accept that kind of agricultural play is if they're winning. Mm-hmm. And listen, Levine's record 
is not any better, really, than Ian Cathro's, if you look at the numbers. No. And Cathro was chased out of Tynecastle. And he was actually trying to change the style to make it more appealing on the eye and should have been given time to do that. Um, but results are everything in football, and that's what spoke loudest with regards to Ian Cathro. Levine comes in, and he doesn't improve that. Do you think there's a sense with Levine that he's, regardless of any comments Anne Budge might have made about how secure his job has been in the past, do you think given Levine's role behind the scenes at Tynecastle and his experience and his, you know, the fact that he's been in Scottish football for decades, do you think that's sort of given, it's bought him more time because he's had a sort of more of a sort of air of authority than someone like Cathro did who was very quickly judged? I don't think so. I think what's bought him more time is his personal relationship with Anne Budge. I don't think on a football level um, you can really say that Craig Levine has performed that well at Hearts. They had a phenomenal start last year and it looked like he'd got it right. There was a number of new signings came in, I think it was something like 15 last season. And in those early games you thought, I can see something here. There's a little bit of... um, Pride back in terms of the club with what Ann Budge has been doing behind the scenes. You can see on the pitch things are moving forward. But since then, and I know they had a lot of injuries, it's been really, really poor. People talk about them getting to the Scottish Cup final, but the run to the final, it was it was very, very easy in terms of on paper. You had to get past Park Thistle, Inverness Cali Thistle. It was mostly lower league teams. Um, I think he's under major pressure now because it's got to be a results-driven business when you're playing this kind of football because the fans are to- are not entertained. It's an entertainment business and I can see why they're upset. Gaby, do you think Levine's in trouble now? I think uh, under normal circumstances he should be. Now, it just depends whether Budge will pull the trigger on that. Now, I think we talked about them not having won a league game since March. I think they've only won, I think it's eight. I checked this yesterday because I wrote a piece about it. I think they've won eight games in all competitions in 2019 which is an abysmal record I mean that's relegation form I'm not for a second saying Hearts will get relegated but that's the kind of form they're in and I agree if you look at this down I didn't see the full game on Saturday but saw the highlights on sports scene and every time it comes up it's just a big lump up to the centre forward it, you know combined with the the terrible half of the pitch it really did look like something out of the 1970s and as Johnny says you know fans obviously want to see their team win if you can win and entertain the fans that's the ideal if you can win with playing a sort of more defensive more agricultural style you'll take that because you're winning fans will even for a time up to a point forgive playing nice football and losing the one thing that you cannot get away with is playing brutal football and not winning which is exactly what's happening at hearts just now i think there's a real sense that the fans are starting to turn on levine uh, despite the fact you know that he's viewed as a club legend, I think most of them aren't. It's not vitriolic. It's just that they think, look, much as I like the guy, much as I backed the guy in the past, I think it's time to go. And you can see absolutely see where they're coming from. He was director of football before he was the manager, so he was signing players. Okay, he'll be signing players to suit what Robbie Nielsen or Ian Cathro wants, but ultimately he's responsible for that. Then he takes over and says he needs you know two transfer windows. I mean, this must be about six transfer windows later, and if anything, they've got worse. They've signed players, you know, like the whole David Vanacek thing, which was bizarre. (laughs) The only success you'd really say, well, not the only success, but one of the ones you'd give him credit for is Stephen Naismith, but I don't think it takes... Halkett will be a good signing as well. Halkett will be a good signing, yeah, sure. Sure, but, you know, I just think having a team that's so reliant on Stephen Naismith, as we see, I mean, you you can literally just plot when Naismith's injured and Hart's results... 
Uh, if he's in the team, they've got a decent chance of winning. If he's not, they'll probably not win, uh, which ties in almost perfectly with the results last season and this season. And let's not forget, this is a 32-year-old guy with a history of knee injuries. Yeah. yeah. Hearts have always loved, uh, under Levine, even going back to his first time in charge, a big centre-forward. They had Mark de Vries up there, who was a very effective player for them. And I think in some ways, Uciek Piezu is actually the problem. Because when you've got a guy up there with that power, you just want to think, right, what's the, what's the easy option here? The easy option is to lump it into him. We've seen that so many times with teams. I watched uh, uh, Rangers do it last season quite often when Kyle Lafferty came on. Right, let's punt it forward to Kyle Lafferty and see what he can do. It's just a sort of natural inclination that players have when you've got a big, tall target man. And I think Hearts could do with actually just bringing Nick Piazzi out for a while because it's not working the way they're playing around him. So, one word answers then. Will Levine turn it round, Johnny? No. Gabby? No. And on that positive note, that's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me on at oldfirmfacts1, Gaby on at Gaby McKay and Johnny on at Johnny R. McFarlane. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening.